trying to go how much information do i give i don't just want to be like and this and this and this and this and blah 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 everybody welcome to the bears and bruce podcast i am pam hey <laughs> i'm joined by charlotte Sorry, i totally interrupted already <laughs> yes i am joined by charlotte i'm so excited to be here y'all i am so excited for you to be here um i i had it down for you on this episode regardless because of our experience of what happened and then due to salome all of her moving has of course went completely like it never goes to plan like moving, moving is the worst it never goes to plan everything takes longer than expected so um i have tapped you for today's well, episode i'm more than happy to fill in whenever um i love podcasting i love hearing myself talk so here yes. i am <laughs> and you are on do you want to plug the podcast that you're on Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So I am an occasional like monthly co-host on the With a Dog podcast uh, by Carly, who's with a dog podcast or Carly with a dog. Um, And we also have an exclusive episode or exclusive podcast. um, That's an additional two episodes each month um, with me, Carly and Ashley. Yep. Which I subscribe to. Thanks. So, you know, we appreciate your (laughs) $4.99. (laughs) <laughs> um okay first very very first thing wait before uh, we start rec- can i clear my name from the last episode yes okay so i'm, I asked- keep, I'm keeping all of this in oh too, i know i know i'm very so, yeah. i'm well aware um, <laughs> yes yes this is gonna be a long episode everybody get comfy um so in the last episode pam and salome answered a question from me it was are there exceptions to how close you can get from wild to wildlife and i just want to make it clear i was asking that as a good question to ask not because i make a practice of getting super close to wildlife um but also as we're going to talk about today pam and i have had a couple of experiences where we haven't been like as far away as the guidelines state not because of being Correct. negligent, though. Yeah. So I just want to clear my name that I'm not like trying to get super close to a moose or anything. <laughs> right. No. And you are one of the responsible ones. Um, we have went to Yellowstone together three times now. And every time I lo- the th- one thing I fucking love about you is you will literally ask me if you're allowed to do something. Yes. <laughs> like, remember, we had to pee. We had to pee so bad and we were so far away from a bathroom. And you're like, can I just pee in the woods? And like, I was I'm like, gonna absolutely pee my pants, not. Pam. You can- I don't care. You're going to pee in the car. You are not. We are not putting anything human related into this soil. <laughs> like not even pee. She was like, if we were outside park lines, it would have been fine. But no. Yes, no yeah. Um, but no, I love that. And you're very aware of of why and and all of those things so it's much appreciated for sure i was uh taking a picture the last time we went and i was like can i get out of the car even though the elk are like a little close but we're not in park lines and she was like fuck no charlotte i was like okay yeah thanks, i mean Mom. well okay okay <laughs> being inside or outside of the park 
doesn't really matter except that you can get a ticket or not like you still should not get close to elk <laughs> or bison whether you're inside the park lip boundary or not and this is this is why you rent longer lenses than i had that weekend <laughs> yes yes and like the spotting scopes uh that we talked about in the last microbrew and, and things like that although sometimes you're close enough to really cool animals that you don't need them that's a little teaser yes. for our story later yeah i'm very very excited um Okay, before we get into like the bear fact and the brew, I just want to remind everybody that voting starts today for Fat Bear Week. <laughs> um, the bracket was revealed Monday night. Get your asses to fatbearweek.org and get your votes in. Are we rating which one's fatter? I've never actually participated. So you so you can you can vote based on a lot of things. Everybody kind of has their own way. Like some people will vote on just how just like this one is bigger than the other one. Nothing else matters. Right. I'm going off whatever one is bigger. Some people are going off of um, how big they are compared to how big they were earlier in the season. So the bear that's like gained the most weight this summer. Uh, some people just have their longtime favorites. Um like Otis, he's a longtime favorite. There's a couple that are longtime favorites. He's actually going up against Chunk in the second round, which is like, that's going to be hard for people <laughs> to, to decide. But yeah, or you can just be like, fuck it, this one's cuter. Or what? Like, however you want to okay. vote is fine. So there's no criteria specifically. No, no, you no, you just vote <laughs> however you want to vote. And people get really up in arms about it. But you just vote however you want to vote. I, I usually vote based on how different they are from the beginning of the season right like if one started a little chunky and they're super big now but one started really skinny and they're super big now i'm usually going to go for that one or some people will factor in if it's like a sow who's been nursing all summer and she still got to be that fat like there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes into or that could go into it but i think that makes more sense that's more fair fatbearweek.org yes ma'am okay going right in to our bear fact of the day. And I picked this one for you specifically. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, because we saw one of these. So uh, this bear fact of the day is that black and grizzly bears will usually excavate their own dens. And it's almost always on a slope or at least with a vertical entrance. That way it doesn't get completely covered in snow. Usually south facing slopes. Sometimes they'll use a natural feature like a cave or reuse their own den or a den that a different bear dug out, but it, they almost always build their own dens. That was super cool when we saw it. Um, this was the last time we went to Yellowstone in like March, I want to say. It was, or maybe it was April. It was over Easter, I think. It was April. Yeah. yeah. It just felt yeah. like March because it was hella cold in Yellowstone. Um, mm -hmm. It was side not side of like a cliff cliff like a rock cliff but it was the den was literally vertical like like on the side of a ravine like i would call that a ravine literally how was your baby gonna get out i was like okay i get that you don't want predators in but like what's gonna happen to this baby like how's it gonna get out i was like in shock i i don't understand how or why. well they're really <laughs> good like climbers and stuff from the get-go um yeah 
I guess they have good claws. And this didn't happen when we were there. We missed it by like a couple of minutes each day. But the cubs were actually coming out and kind of walking around a little oh, really? bit and then going back in the den. So they did get a little bit of practice before actually the leaving. Final send. The den. Full sending out of the den. And what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And what you and I saw was we saw the sow's back because at this point there was no snow covering it. Um, we saw the sow's back, so you couldn't really tell it was a bear. Just It was just black, yeah. Yeah, and then the next day we saw her like moving debris around and stuff like that to kind of cover foot. the entrance. Yeah. It was cool. It would have been cooler to see them come out, but it was still really cool. <laughs> I know, I know. It's black bears. I, yeah, I love those little babies. Yeah, I'm really glad I helped a stranded driver in the park a year ago and found out where she told me where that den was. Oh, really? <laughs> was like that was like her payback. <laughs> yeah, because her husband, her husband is a ranger, oh, and she's nice. like, "Oh, do you want to see where this bear den is?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, hell yeah!" That's like way better than money for gas or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so that's how I know where that den is. So worth it. So um, are you drinking anything today? No, I'm not even drinking water because all my dishes are dirty. So I haven't even really been hydrating at all. I did have a Sprite earlier when I went and got a burger. Guys, I'm a disaster right now. <laughs> you can't like wash a bottle or something? No, because then I would have to wash all my dishes. Uh, we all are messes from time to yes. time. That is just so true. <laughs> um, well, I, all, I'm, I'm not drinking anything super cool today. I'm just drinking Michelob Ultra because I'm still tired from working for quarter end. And I had a very tiring weekend. I got like one hour of sleep. Yeah, you're insane. It's worth it, though, because I only have a few more only have a few more weeks that I can go into Yellowstone from this side before they close it for winter. Oh, and there was there's a really visible elk carcass. So I, I left the house at three to get to the carcass before sunrise and just set up shop uh, and try to see a grizzly come down. He did not show up. Um, that's OK, though, you know, can't control nature and it makes it more special, you know, when you do see him. That's true. I wish I was as dedicated to anything as you are to seeing wildlife. Well, it's why I moved here. And I know I, I'm just impressed you got up at three and on only one oh, hour. I got of up sleep. at two thirty. I left at three. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How? Yeah. How? I don't get up for anything at three. <laughs> I it's so funny. I don't start work during the week until like nine and I wake up at like eight forty. Like I cannot get up early on if it's for work. But if I'm going on any kind of adventure, hell yeah. Two o'clock, four, three, whatever. I'm I'm up. I'm ready. I love it. I love it. I just wish I could do that for literally anything. Waking you up is a very difficult task. It's not a difficult task. It's a scary task. <laughs> I'm a bitch in the mornings, guys. I Even when I think I'm being nice and trying really hard to be nice in the mornings, I'm still a bitch. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say bitch, but I mean, I don't mind the word bitch. I just that's not what I would classify it as. Um, just a big old grouch bag. Just like, I'm not sure if that's better or worse. <laughs> All right. So you know why you're on. You know what today is about. I'm hoping I have I'm hoping I will title this episode some way that doesn't give it away. 
uh, as has okay. has been the usual so far because I just like to be a smartass. Um, but <laughs> you know the answer to this, but I want you to... This is wrong answers only for the animal introduction. Okay. Wrong answers only. What animal has the largest geographic range of any land mammal in the Western Hemisphere? Barn mouse. Is that a, a barn mouse? I don't know. A mouse. a mouse that lives in a, a barn? A mouse in a barn. Yeah. I think they have a different name, but mouse. Um, like a field mouse? Yes, that's the word I was thinking of. Or a barn cat. I, you know, mixed up those two things that live in barns. <laughs> I think a barn cat has the wide, widest geographic range. A horse cow. <laughs> I mean, all we could just pick all sorts of things that live in barns. <laughs> so your answer is wrong, yes. as we've established. I, before you said I wrong answers it. only. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. I just want to call that. Okay, so we are talking today about mountain lions, a.k.a. cougar, puma. Although... I feel like mice, they probably also have a really wide geographic range. Probably just as wide. They're just not wild. I mean, yeah, mice, but that's a lot of different species of mice. Oh, okay. And a mountain lion's like a mountain lion. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you could say that's like saying birds. <laughs> They're like, yeah, but what kind of bird? <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> Yeah, so mountain lions, y'all. <laughs> mountain lions, cougar, um, puma, catamount, which has I've always been like, why why the fuck do people call them catamount? But I guess that stems from cat of the mountain. Catamount? Oh, that's so interesting. I've never even heard that term before. I've only heard mountain lion and cougar. Oh, um, also, oh, you haven't heard puma? I mean, I guess I'd heard that, but I've always thought of a puma as like a different thing and something that's like in South America. That's just the terminology really is, you know, puma is kind of more in the tropical, but yeah, they are the same, same so species. There is. So the Florida ones, which are also usually called pumas, those are a, a subspecies. OK, um, but they are they are the same. And they're also sometimes called panthers, although that term can be applied to black jaguars and black leopards, basically a large cat with like a solid color coat. You can call a panther. The Geneva High School Panthers. I'm a panther. Oh, weird. My elementary was tigers. Oh, really? So we're both big cats. Yeah. I feel like big cats are popular. But you, okay, so you don't live there now, though. Uh, your state that you currently live in, Colorado, actually has the highest population of mountain lions in the U.S. Well, that's why, so one thing we're going to talk about, um, I'm just going to mention it right now, is that Pam and I saw a mountain lion in Yellowstone, which was super cool. Um, and Colorado has, you said, oh, like, this is like a once in a lifetime thing. And I was like, really? It is? And it's because in Colorado, there's so many like I I had a boss at one job who she she was like, yeah, the last couple of days, there's been a mountain lion on my porch just like walking past. And like I have friends who have had like near misses with a mountain. I have a friend who was like 20 feet away from the mountain lion had to like quietly creep away and pick up her dog. And it was like a whole thing. And it's like it's very common here. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I didn't realize it was so rare everywhere else because there's just so many here. It's so rare, especially to see one in the wild, right? It's one thing to catch them on yeah. like your ring cam or whatever. But Yes, yeah. Um, so how many do you think there are in Colorado? I feel like I don't have a good sense or context for like how many like numbers wise is a lot, but I'll that's say okay. that's why I asked. Yeah, I'll say 10,000. I don't know if that's in the ballpark or what, but <laughs> you've went over. Okay. You, you don't get the price is not right. Because you went over, uh, it's about seven thousand. Oh, okay. I was pretty close. I was like, "Is it three hundred? Is it three hundred thousand? I literally don't know. Well, considering the state that I live in has about two thousand, um, which is, and that's actually about how much Wyoming also has. So, oh wow. And and we're like this kind of band along the Rockies is where they're most dense. So, um, yeah, I think. I think us in like Wyoming, Montana, we're all about the same. And then you just like double or triple it, basically, or triple or quadruple it. Okay, so I'm going to give a shitload of plugs at the end of this because uh, mountain lions are not my specialty, uh, but I love learning about them. So there is a really good podcast. Pretty dope. Yeah, they're so cool. So there's a really good podcast called Voices of Greater Yellowstone. It's a really good one to go give a listen to. It's a bit more serious than this um, with an actual cougar expert. So what's the difference in the terminology with cougar versus uh, mountain lion? Like, is it just a dialect thing or are there like subtle differences or subspecies? So... The actual names of them, that's really just kind of a geographical dialectal thing, okay. like you said. Um, but depending... Like, I never knew they were the same thing until fairly recently. Yeah. So, like, depending on the area, they do have small, you know, morphological differences, but not enough to actually be a subspecies except the ones in Florida. Um, okay. Yeah. And actually mountain lions are in the guinness book of world records for having the most names <laughs> that's awesome they have 40 different common names oh my god guys if you could see my face right now that was not what i was expecting pam to say so we talked about the largest geographic range so they're all the way from the canadian yukon down to the southern tip of chile in south america and so they actually, so they're not super related to like lions and stuff like people think they are, um, but they... Yeah, I just sort of assumed. Yeah, no, they're actually closer related to like house cats than an African lion. Damn, okay. You're already like teaching me something. Oh, and I'm only on my, like the eighth thing on my note. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, they actually share a common ancestor with cheetahs. Okay, interesting. And if you think about it, you can kind of see it. Like, they're more narrow. They're slinky. They have those super long tails. Yeah. I don't know. I can totally yeah, see it. Yeah, that makes sense. They did coexist with American lions and North American cheetahs and even saber-toothed tigers. We have lions? Uh, we did um, before the no. last ice age ended, yeah. Yeah, so along with the jaguar, though, they are one of only two large cats left in North America. Um, but a lot of people don't really consider them a large cat uh, if you compare them to, like, Africa and things like that. But for North America, 
them and the Jaguar are the biggest. And they were actually, so talking about Ice Age and stuff, so they were actually extirpated from North America during, there was a big, um, there was a big extinction in the Pleistocene era, a big extinction event, as the ice age, last Ice Age was winding down about 12,000 years ago. And they died out also in North America. Okay. So they kind of like a, a shit. That's when like mastodons and all those things kind of went away. Um, but because they're so adaptable and found all over, there were still populations in South America and they made their way north again. That is really cool. That's so stuff like that is so interesting. Like and to think about like, oh, this existed like way before humans even existed or like. I don't know. Now I'm just thinking about the movie Ice Age. It's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> so they were they actually were extirpated, which um, is a localized extinction, basically. OK. Um, and yeah. And then like repopulated. So I'm going to interchangeably use like mountain lion and cougar. I generally don't like saying cougar because I'm a Utah Utes fan and we hate the BYU Cougars. So I will mostly say mountain lion, but they're super adaptable, adaptable. They can be found in almost any kind of habitat in the Americas. So like deserts, grasslands, swamps, tropical forests, um, coniferous forests, all that sort of stuff, mountains. They prefer areas where there's a lot of ungulates because that's what they usually eat and areas where they can hide. So really rocky areas, a lot of trees. Why don't we have them in New York? Because we have both of those things. Yeah, I mean, they'd probably thrive there. So they're, they are kind of making their way a little more east now. There was one in, like, New Hampshire. And actually, a collared one from Yellowstone ended up in, like, Connecticut or some shit like that. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, one of the one of the lions that was collared from Yellowstone, and I think it was, like, Connecticut or Rhode Island or somewhere up there but and they and you know they come and go but in general mountain lions don't want to be seen i mean i'm sure i'm sure a shitload have seen me like they'll just sit in a tree and just fucking watch and they in it's they don't prey on humans right that's happened a few times here and there but in general they don't prey on humans so well they don't prey on them but they're like willing to attack them you know, more so than like a bear is from my understanding. Like you're not scaring away a mountain lion. I would disagree with that beca because they are around and watching us a lot more. Okay. But wait, but I think if you, if you see a bear and if you see a mountain lion, I think you probably are more likely to have the mountain lion do something just because they're so good at not being seen. So by okay. the time you see one, you're already too close. Holy shit. Like it's there. It's out in the open versus bears, which you see all the time. They run off. Right. So. Right. I wouldn't say they're I I wouldn't say they're more dangerous. I mean, that one in Colorado a few years ago that that guy ended up like strangling and killing. That was like a starving yearling that attacked him. Um, even that guy in Utah. Was it last year? He took he is like a 10 minute video. That cougar was not trying to hurt him. She was... Oh, yeah. It was like stalking him away from... Yeah. They literally escort like, them out of their territory. 
right, to stay away from the babies, right? Yeah. And I think, again, by the time you see, I don't think they're any more dangerous um, and they definitely don't. There's not near as many cougar encounters as there are bear encounters each year, especially with black bears. But in terms of prey, black bears, black bears prey on people more than grizzlies do, more than cougars do. Wait, really? The Adirondack bears, they're not. You don't really hear about people in the Adirondacks interacting with black bears. They like they're really afraid of the people. I guess what I mean is when when there's injuries based on actual predation, it is more likely to come from a black bear than a grizzly or a cougar. Okay, that's really so interesting. Actual, huh. yeah, actual predation, like I am stalking you and I'm going to hurt you. Grizzlies every now and then will do that. Not near as much as black bears and cougars hardly ever do it. So usually when you're hurt by them, it's for other reasons. Okay. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Than actual seeing you as food. Right. So that's the big difference there. Yeah, so I don't know that they're more dangerous. They're not as afraid. I think I think they're probably more afraid of us than a lot of animals are. But when they get to that, when that levee breaches, they're not. Like, to your point, it would be so much easier to scare away a grizzly or a black bear right? Okay. than a cougar that's coming at you. In my opinion, it would be easy. It would be more likely to yeah. get that bear to go away than it would to get the mountain lion to go away, to your point. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, but I think, you know, the times that they see us and we have no idea they're there are probably... A lot. Like I saw a video of this lady just going on a jog in California in a fucking neighborhood, like not even in the woods, in a neighborhood. It's like a ring camera and there's a big bush and there's a cougar right here. And she comes running this way and the cougar just goes behind the bush and waits for her to run by. She never knew it was there. Oh, I thought it was. No, she never knows it's <laughs> I there. Thought, I was like, oh, shit. And that, that's kind of what they do. And so. Okay. I think I there's been a probably tons of times that mountain lions have seen me. And one time in Colorado, I'm pretty sure we were being stalked by one. Really? Um, one of the yeah, one of the scariest hiking experiences I've ever had. We never saw it, but I'm pretty sure we were being stalked by one um down by Pagosa Springs in the San Juans. Oh, okay. They can be like seven to eight feet long because that tail. So their tail is like two thirds as long as their whole body. And that's one really big way you can tell them apart from like a lynx or a bobcat. I mean, one of the many ways. They're only about 70 pounds to like 150 pounds. That's like as big as a coon hound. So they're not like this huge fucking cat. No, that's way smaller than I would expect. Yeah, and they're about 30 inches at the shoulder. That's literally the size of a coon hound. Yeah, they're not like this. But the thing is, they're super, super muscular, super visually muscular, too. So um, they've got that tawny brown. It's really the only color they come in. Yeah. So, okay. So they, they mate year round and they have like two to three cubs. And so they can have cubs anytime, but they usually have them in the spring to coincide with like the baby ungulates. That makes sense. Yeah. And the cubs, I just love that they're called cubs too and not like kits or something. Um, They sound fierce. 
So they can stay with their mother like 15 to 20 months-ish, depending on the season. Okay. That's a way. Oh, it's a long time. Yeah, it's not as long as bears, but it's it's long. But damn near. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for some bears, I guess black bears, that's about what it is for a black bear. Um, but someone, there's this canyon in Utah and they, and it's like right up next to a neighborhood. And there was five fucking adult mountain lions hanging out together a few summers ago. And I think they were probably related. And we'll talk about some of that social behavior here in just a minute. Yeah, that because um, they're pretty solitary animals, aren't they? I mean, kind of like cats. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Because that's a that's an interesting topic when it comes to lions. But so why do we care? So lions are so some animals like a grizzly or a wolf is considered a keystone species. And that's when a bunch of other organisms rely on the organism in question. And that's not what cougars are. So cougars oh. are what's called <laughs> oops. <laughs> what's called well, because most people most people know the term keystone species, but they don't know the term umbrella species. Okay. And umbrella is what a mountain lion is. I also don't know that. Yeah. So with keystone you basically have a lot of different living things, whether that's plants or fish or birds or other mammals, whatever, that are kind of relying on this one thing to exist. Whereas umbrella, umbrella basically means that there are a ton of species under this species that benefit from this organism, but they wouldn't be drastically changed if the organism wasn't around. So if okay. cougars did not exist there wouldn't be this huge impact on all of these other creatures that rely on them. Versus um, wolves, like, say, right. Yellowstone. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And so, and cougars need a lot of space. So, like, a male's territory is can be up to, like, 100 square miles. And they are territorial. It's not like, I mean, bears will, like, hang out in the same area, but they won't, like, start shit with another bear for coming around unless they get up in their space. Whereas cougars, that's like, for a male cougar, that is their fucking home. Their spot. Okay. Yeah. And so when we conserve these large spaces for these cougars or hint, hint, bears, like this all coincides, right? Like when we conserve these large spaces, it benefits a ton of other species. And again, that can be trees, right? Like aspen trees in Yellowstone beavers um osprey eagles cutthroat trout like all sorts of different things that are helped by helping this one species right uh, eco an ecosystem isn't going to collapse if a cougar is not on the landscape but it will be much healthier if they are right that makes sense yeah. all right so let's get into some of that social stuff so before i kind of answer your question from earlier about them being solitary there's a couple things like when you're out exploring or whatever that you can tell if they're around because most people don't usually see one like people will go even like park rangers that are in these areas all the time whether that's rocky mountain down by you or you know yellowstone tetons whatever most people never see one in their entire lives. So there's a couple different ways that you can tell when they're around. So one is their tracks and I'll make sure and post a picture because their tracks are very, very um, distinctive. 
Uh, yeah, distinctive. Thank you. Yeah, their tracks are very distinctive. So they're really, really large. They usually don't have claw marks because they have those retractable claws, but sometimes they can. Um, they have like three lobes on the bottom. So the way that I think about it is like an extra wiggly bottom part of their main pad. And it's a lot wider too. So if you look at like the negative space in a print, I wish everyone could see this, but I'll put pictures. Um, a wolf or any kind of canid is a lot more narrow and it makes like an X. But a cougar is a lot more wide and it almost makes like an H. Another big way you can tell if they're around is they do these things called scratch piles or like a scraping. So a cougar scrape and they'll do it. It's not the same as like a scrape on a tree, which they'll also do. But these scrapes, it's like a pile on the ground. So you can see all these scratch marks and you can see these scrapes. And then it's okay. it's usually all within like a foot also of distance. And there'll be like a small mound of like leaves and dirt and debris. And sometimes there's a little hole there to cover up their scat. Sometimes it's just a cougar scrape on its own. Um, but so yeah, it's... A cougar scrape is to cover up poop? Not always. Um, it, okay. it, it it can be, but it can also be to like scent mark their territory. So sometimes okay. there's shit in it. Sometimes there's not. Okay. I was like, okay, why? <laughs> yeah. So it is for like scent marking and but they are pretty distinctive because it's like this, you know, claw marks on the ground or almost like a, a mini broom and then like a little <laughs> pile. Is usually from a cougar. That's interesting. Okay. Learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. And their scat is like about one inch in diameter and it's like segmented, but it's usually out in open spaces because oh. they're usually, they like poop to mark. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, it'll, you'll see some in the middle of a trail and you'll be like, oh, well, this isn't cougar territory. Oh, it probably actually is. And yeah, they don't want to be seen, but any animal is going to want to use a trail over roughing it, right? Because less energy expenditure. Interesting. All these things I hadn't thought of, but that makes sense. And then like if you were hiking and you see that and it's like looks fairly fresh, you get the hell out. Yep. And there's usually like a lot of hair and even some like bone like owl pellets, but for cougars. Exactly. And actually, their scat looks a lot like an owl pellet. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, they are pretty elusive, but they're not as solitary as once thought. So historically, experts have always said, like, the only time they aren't solitary is during mating season or if there's a female with cubs. Right. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that it's really hard to observe mountain lions being mountain lions, especially because they're not usually out in the daytime. They're not nocturnal per se, but they are a lot more active at dawn and dusk and in the middle of the night. So it's historically been very hard. Well, there's no people around. Yep. And um, their pupils uh, they have one of the widest ranges of how much their pupils can constrict and dilate. So they... Oh, so they can be out whenever. Uh, yeah. So with so with technology, there have been a lot more recent studies. So thanks in part to GPS callers. And actually, I think a lot of this comes from trail cams. 
but they've actually the drones maybe no so scientists don't really like to use drones when it comes to wildlife because when we talk about like science and doing stuff with studies the best way to really get a good imp- like a good view into an animal's life is if they have no idea we're there and so a drone is right is pretty intrusive sense. yeah so trail cams GPS callers, but they actually have pretty complex social systems. So like I'm going to link a really awesome um, Nat Geo article that is a little bit of a summary of a study. Um, And if you want to totally nerd out, the study is really awesome to read. Um, But that's not everybody. So that's what the Nat Geo article is for. That's not me. Like I like the I like the abstracts and the summaries and the the Newsweek articles. <laughs> I'm like, give me the meat. I want to give me the meat. I want to see all of it. Pam's like, give me the meat <laughs> in every sense of the word, except the vegetarian okay. uh, one. Yeah. So they so they've been able to catch on video like unrelated cougars sharing meals where like a female with cubs will come up yeah and they'll kind of posture a little that's so weird right but here's the cool thing um the ones so if a cougar comes across another cougar and they share their meal that cougar the intrude the intruder that got to share the kill um is seven times more likely to share their next meal if a cougar come, if another oh. cougar comes by, so they reciprocate. Oh, that's kind of sweet. It's like, yeah, like kindergarten. Like we're teaching all the other cats to share. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's most likely to happen with females, with or without cubs, f- multiple females who share the same territory with one male. So, if you have like a hundred square oh, miles, sister wives, sister coons, they're sister wives, yes, they're sister okay. coons. So, so and that's how mating works so males will have like a huge territory and then there'll be several females that have smaller smaller territories within that male's territory and the female will only mate with that male but the male will bang all of them so it is sister wives sister coops they're that's hilarious (laughs) okay so i think this is a good spot to stop for today um part two will be coming out on friday in place of a micro bruin because we don't want people to have to wait for too long so charlotte i want to thank you for hanging out with me and talking cougars and i want to thank Acast for hosting christian mills for our great music and make sure you rate review and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on thanks everybody we'll see you on friday